Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's Beauty of Life with Danielle. This is a very exciting day, indeed. This is the episode you're going to hear is the day after the container of furniture that I shipped over to her from the pieces of my life in Australia and Michigan has arrived at her door. So at first, we're going to talk about the whole container and what that was like to open up all the treasure trove of my life that she now has, the inheritance of Jess Lively, if you will. And then she's gonna ask me a question on dating. And I kind of talk a lot in this episode, fair warning there. Um, She sends the question over and I do my best to answer it around dating. And I really hope by sharing in as much detail as I did, because I don't think I've ever spoken about this subject of dating in the way I'm about to share it. I've spent many an hour talking to my inner voice in the last year about dating and understanding dynamics of relationships and what different relationships in my own life even were about in my previous years and why dating, for example, felt unsuccessful, quote unquote, to me during those six years of life and what I'm looking for now and also how that could tie back to anybody else, especially those who are on the inner journey. If you're in a phase of inward looking journey, this episode might hopefully shed some light and clarity on what might be happening in your own dating scenarios as well. Of course, everyone's inner voice is the best place to go for specific guidance on dating in general, but on the general thread of transformation in your own world and dating at the same time and how that can work in an aligned way or not in an aligned way, I hope will be helpful from this episode. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friend. What an exciting morning you're waking up to. Hello, I know I had a seven star snooze on my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Seven stars. Wait, which bed were you on, Danielle? Tell me more. Uh, Yesterday, uh, the container of furniture arrived, so I got to sleep on my new inherited mattress, and and it was so nice in comparison to my air mattress. Yes. (laughs) I remember that mattress. It still uh, doesn't haunt me. It still dances in my dreams to this day. Is it actually still comfortable? Yes. Yes. It's very, very comfortable. I'm so, I wouldn't even say jealous. I'm so excited for you. So for those that are like, what are they talking about? If you haven't been listening to the Beauty of Life series with Danielle, Danielle received all of my inheritance. (laughs) It's a good word for it. Of the Jess Lively character that you know the human that I once was had all this furniture accumulated very lovingly for myself at the time in Australia and then a little bit more was added in my move to Detroit so over my travel years I had purchased a bunch of furniture in Australia especially thinking innocently I was gonna easily waltz into getting a visa so I just got an apartment and started furnishing it as I thought it would be natural to do and the first thing I actually had in the apartment Danielle was that mattress when I first moved I had the suitcase and I got that mattress. And then for the beginning of my stay in Australia, I just had the mattress on the ground. And then slowly over time of six months, I accumulated all this furniture as my visa process imploded. (laughs) And so then by six months, I got the entire apartment decorated perfectly. 
and then packed it all up and out of like a very flowy, unexpected line of events, I ended up buying a penthouse in Detroit. And so I moved it all and had it removed for Detroit. And then I was in Detroit for, again, about five or six months. I bought different furniture because I it took a while for the furniture to arrive, first of all, but also it was a different space. And I thought some of it would work and some of it needed to be the right stuff for the right new space I was in. So I got like the bed frame that you have in Detroit. And there was a different sofa I had purchased for the Detroit space that was a better size for that room. And so I added a bit more things to the, to the mix. And then I had that stuff eventually arrived. It stayed in the guest room as like a storage holding space and boxes. So a lot of the, some of those boxes, Danielle, are still packed from 2018 in Australia. So you're going to get some Australian air that's been stale sitting in a container in New York State. Um, to So who, hopefully it's not too mildewy or you no know, spider webs or, you know, little rodents living in that stuff with you. But hopefully it's all in fresh uh, form for you. But some of it is like little artifacts from the life that I had there and then also from Detroit because after I, I lived in Detroit for personally in this space about four to five months, maybe six total. And then once again, my intuition threw me on the road and I was back in Australia of all places, which was traumatizing to my mind at the time. I was like, why did I move all this stuff and then go back to Australia six months later? But I didn't stay that time. So it was just uh, rented. The Detroit place became a rental for the next few years. And funny enough, it was rented to a person that was a friend of one of Team Lively. And she was working for a firm as a consultant in Detroit and needed a place to stay. And she was the perfect manifestation, a one of a kind renter. She really loved and appreciated all of that stuff. So hopefully she took good care of it too, because some of it lived with her for actually way more than I lived with it for a year or two. And then I was in Portugal in 2021 when she decided to go I don't know, buy a house or, or live somewhere else. And so I ended up selling my apartment in Detroit and my friend Jess, who you guys now have all met through the podcast uh, last week on the show, Jess was in Detroit, uh, still lives in Detroit, but she was my woman on the ground to help pack up all my stuff. So she's the one to go to. Danielle, if you have any questions about this stuff, like I haven't seen it in years, but she was the one that um, really helped manage the move into the container. And then it sat in storage. I kept thinking this is going to go to Portugal when I find a place in Portugal. And I spent two years looking for, I don't know, I probably went to like 40 different properties over those years. Big ones, small ones, beach ones, city ones, you name it. I looked at every property in Portugal and nothing flowed. And so I never sent the stuff over. And then I thought, you know what, when I changed the name, you know what, this is this doesn't even, this is all Jess's stuff. And I don't even feel like Jess anymore, personally. I'm excited for the new Bella era. And so then I was like, well, what if I did the beauty of life? And the series was forming in my mind at the time. And it's like, what if I manifested somebody that would want my furniture for this container of inherited pieces of artifacts? But it's so special, Danielle, because like every single piece you're receiving and you're unpacking 
was chosen with love with my entire life's future in mind. Like I was not looking at disposable anything. I was looking to invest in my future home, life, family, you name it. And so everything, there was literally no expense spared. Like I got every single most aligning thing I could find for any object that you're looking at, including that blessed mattress. So what does it feel like looking at what you've seen so far? I know Sue things came a little chipped, but otherwise, what what are you seeing so far? Have you opened any boxes? I got through like, I think because I'm just taking my time and cleaning everything and, and because my space is so tiny, I have only got through a few boxes. And I think I also tackled the, <laughs> not the worst, but like the most tedious, like the kitchen stuff. So that took a lot of time. Which um, kitchen stuff? Okay, there's two sets of kitchen stuff in there. There's the Detroit stuff and the Aussie stuff. So tell me what they look like. So I did all the glassware and... um plates so uh the pottery is that actually sorry this is maybe not yeah yeah but uh is the pottery um dishwasher safe (laughs) (laughs) we can keep that in the show guys uh yes it is so are you is it white or is it colored i have both of them out so uh the colored ones more the one that i'm thinking yeah those are mud yeah this is actually great if you want (laughs) to this is like a fun show for me so the mud pottery is an amazing famous designer brand in australia handmade pottery they are dishwasher safe and they probably i would search mud m-u-d australia you can google that just to check about microwave safe you know so i would check about microwave i would have to double check that myself but dishwasher yes Uh, i wouldn't be that impractical with my daily stuff to not get dishwasher safe. Um, so yes, those are beautiful. I had those in the open shelving in Detroit. There are also some basic, more standard white plates. I Were they in the same box that you no, found? No, they were in separate okay. boxes. Okay, so then you also have Robert something or other, the white dishes were from the Australian kitchen and they were from another famous Australian um, potter that look a little more standardized right they look a little more boring looking basic than the colorful ones um those ones though still are by a beautiful potter i'm forgetting the name at the uh i loved that pottery at the time i'm sure aussies are like knowing exactly what i'm talking about but anyways yes those are from the two different kitchens you're probably going to find danielle like two sets of like stuff like silverware and cups and glasses um so you're probably gonna have a lot of kitchen stuff and like i've told you already you can donate sell gift away whatever doesn't suit you and your needs for your space yes um i'm just still like unpacking and it's just the quality of the stuff like in the um, photos, it doesn't even give it justice, like how heavy <laughs> some of the <laughs> items are, um, which is kind of funny because I was trying, and ma- maybe this is why it didn't manifest, um, because I was trying to manifest a boyfriend to help me <laughs> move all my stuff. <laughs> um, but that's okay. I can tackle this. <laughs> um, the, but, but yeah. Do you like, need help? Uh I will need some help moving some of the marble. <laughs> oh, the dining. Oh, yes. We have how many marble tables? Do you have like five marble tables. <laughs> I have counting th- in the coffee tables. <laughs> I have three that have unpacked so far. 
They are very heavy. You are totally right. You definitely need support carrying those tables. The marble is so heavy. Even the black coffee table is very heavy. Yes, yes, yes. That one's, I just love all of the the provenance, I think is the art term for it. Like I love where all those things came from so much. Have you seen any of, I know we have, funny enough guys, the really beautiful big piece of art by Antoinette Ferwerda, for those that have followed my Instagram back in 2018 and saw that apartment I'm speaking about in Australia. And actually it was also featured in, I like featured, it was also in my Detroit place leaning against a wall as well. So you might remember it from the Detroit apartment if you were watching the Instagram at those times and years of my life. But that painting has a funny story to it. You were kind of not super into it, which was interesting to me because that was the one piece that was of all the things that I invested in, it was a really big moment for me to invest in that piece of art. It was expensive, but it had this quality about it that really drew me to it. And I was at a time I was younger. I was like in my mid thirties and it just, I was in a time in flowing with my intuition and abundance that was very different than most people my age. And it was at the time that Meghan Markle and Prince Harry got engaged. <laughs> this is random. But I remember thinking about Meghan Markle being in her mid-30s, being divorced, getting engaged, falling in love with this new person in her life, and living her best life at that same kind of rough age. And I thought, you know what? I can get this painting. The only reason I was a little bit feeling a bit strange about it is because it was not like the rest of the people that I was around, you know, for myself. And I was like, seeing Megan inspired me, this random story, to actually get it for myself because it's something I could do. It was out of my comfort zone because it wasn't something that I previously had ever done, but it wasn't out of my realm of being able to do it and get it. And funny enough, now my inner voice kind of calls it like a self-portrait of myself in the non-physical. So kind of like almost a painting of my soul in energy in non-physical um so it has this kind of inner connection to me that's pretty special and you didn't personally feel that inspired by it as i do because it's probably that self-portraiture kind of effect of it is probably bringing it more into the you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder and so because i probably resonate with it it's it's so special to me so when you didn't feel like immediately like oh my god i can't believe i get this painting i was like well if you're not that excited about it maybe this is a sign that i should keep it and my intuition said to put it aside and the mover said that they would create it and put it aside but lo and behold it showed up in Vancouver instead of staying in New York. So now I get to go through the journey of flowing it over potentially to London. But um, yeah, that's also one of the pieces that arrived. Um, Have you looked and seen any of the boxes of clothing or purses and stuff? I uh, opened, yes, there is a lot of clothing. I was not expecting that. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I'm just slowly going through it and I'm going to wash it. Everything. Yeah, I'm sure it needs a good wash if you're going to uh, keep any yeah, of it. Yeah. Surpri- and like, I know you were worried about mold and stuff like that. Everything's in perfect condition. Like, so that's oh. great news. <laughs> Does it, any of it fit? I don't know. I've never seen you in person, so I don't know if the, the sizes are the um, same. Actually, they, it does. A lot of it does. I haven't tried a lot of the tops, but um, the shorts and the pants so far have. So, yes. <laughs> 
Aw. So what does it feel like to be opening these unknown treasure chest boxes? <laughs> what does it feel to get someone's entire life history in a in a container? I feel like I know you so much more now. <laughs> You're like seeing my underwear and my tax returns and my birth certificate. <laughs> um, but it, it really feels like Christmas. Like it's such a like it's really it's kind of fun. Like, I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And then um, some of the things like the crystals, like I have just learned about you maybe now a year. Um, so I have listened to some of your podcasts going back. Um, but like I heard you talking about crystals, but like there's a lot of <laughs> crystals that I've. <laughs> I was heavily in my crystal phase in Australia and I was collecting like no yes. tomorrow. Yeah. So it's it's. There's some really big ones. If you found the biggies. No, not yet. So, Oh, there's some that are about the size of a coffee table book. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Really beautiful for a coffee table if you want to put them there. Okay. Yeah. And what's your favorite thing so far? Oh, that's a good question. I, yesterday you called and you're like, there's a TV. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I forgot about the TV. There's a fra Samsung frame TV sitting in that container. I completely forgot about the television, but it's my favorite TV. It's something I'd still want to purchase when I have my own apartment here. Again. Yeah, that was a really pleasant surprise because I was like, oh, maybe I won't have a TV um, and I'll just see what it's like to live without a TV. Um, but this is like a beautiful surprise because uh, it's funny because I had a dream a couple of days ago that I was going to maybe get, this is really ironic, <laughs> that I was going to maybe get a picture frame TV. And you said this is that, that looks like a... Yeah, the frame TV. This is exactly <laughs> that. It's really big and it's beautiful. I forget which frame color is on it. I think they may or may not be interchangeable. You can look that up if you want to change the frame color. It might be possible. But yes, it's a Samsung frame. I had it in Detroit. I remember that was like one of the, do I take it? Do I not take it into the container? Will I, won't I, with Jess on the phone deciding whether to put that in as well. Um, we had a dining table. You have the really fun round table. Which two marble tops were cracked or, or chipped the, from the, the delivery? The white ones. Oh, the yeah. dining table? Oh, is it bad? Are they unusable? No, they're still usable. They're just, uh, yeah, they're just small, thankfully. Yeah. Okay, good. So does this solve your needs? Or does it, how do, yeah, I'm just still curious. I'm like, what is, tell me, what does it feel like? I'm, I'm so fascinated to imagine what the experience was like for you. I guess color scheme wise, it's all like connected. Like I um, had envisioned and it's just, it's really amazing. Like I don't know how to describe it in words, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's been really incredible. And I just am taking my time and unpacking and yeah, it's all coming together. It's, it's really working. And like the size of my place was small and I was worried that things wouldn't fit, but everything is fitting. And it's almost like I said yesterday, it's a blessing that the, even to the movers, uh, the sofa didn't make it because um, I wouldn't really have space to be moving around. So I'm like, maybe it was meant to be that it would come a bit later once I get all the boxes sorted. So yeah. 
Well, good. I'm very happy that now you've been sleeping very patiently on an air mattress for a very long time. And now you have a whole bunch of things to hopefully fill out the rest of your space. Yeah, it's really fun. All right. So what can we do to help you today? Is there anything? We can do what's been coming up. Um, I wanted to, and it's funny because I was like, the beginning, um, you were asking me about dating like way back when. Um, and then we were talking about it, and you said probably after you move, that's when you'll want to discuss this more. Um, and it's, and I figured that was going to be the case as well. Um, so, I guess just like listening to your experience uh, with relationships, I wondered what like it is or your approach to it that you have met people that are wanting to be in a relationship versus like date, or maybe that isn't, hasn't been your experience and maybe that's just what. um... Okay. Can you say that, say the question, I love that you're asking me the question because I'm super open book and happy to answer it. Say the question again. So my, what would you like to know? My question is um, like, how do you, like I'm, okay, so maybe I'll just speak from my experience. So I'm meeting men that seem very interested, but then it only lasts for a couple of dates and then they become very uninterested. And it's not that I, well, maybe I'm doing something, but it's that um, it's, I feel like maybe I'm attracting people that are not ready. So I'm like looking at it maybe either from like a karmic experience or that, um, there's something that I'm attracting in my energy. Do, does that make sense? And how, where are you meeting them? Um, either online or in a, like out in, I guess out in the world. Um, but in the past, the little bit, it has been online. Yeah, I think that a lot of times this is common. I think many people, I don't go out into the world and like look at what people are saying about dating apps and stuff, but I think there's a lot of dating that happens on dating apps. And sometimes there's many people that are meeting on apps. So more and more we hear relationships are starting there. And also there's more and more like horror stories of dating on dating apps. And uh, as we mentioned with Jess in Detroit and the call yesterday, like my, I got her into the dating apps and then it was the worst thing I ever did. I got her into the dating apps to distract her from a guy that wasn't right. She met (laughs) at a gas station. (laughs) I feel, (laughs) oh yeah, so she met a guy at the gas station. Then she was like dated him for a little while and then she was stuck on him even though she needed to drop him. So I said, oh, just go on the dating apps. Just like date anyone else just to get you off this guy. And then she got stuck on the dating apps. I couldn't get off them. And I was like, oh, God, what did I do? What have I done? Um, having spent six years on the dating apps myself, and also I will preface, dating six years on the dating apps, traveling the world with an anxious energy. Do you feel like that anxious avoidant dialogue that's out there about dating do you feel like you fall in either of those scales or do you identify more as like a stable person definitely when it comes to dating definitely in the past i would say i had an anxious attachment and i guess sometimes it does flare up a bit but over the last two years i have been really working on healing that um so i think i'm becoming more stable and like recognizing avoidant behaviors and things like that because so are these guys avoidant and are you feeling anxious when they become so uh, after these recent experiences? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, actually, yeah, most of them are still avoidant. Um, and I somewhat become anxious, but I'm getting a better handle on when I see it. And then I just, I'm like, oh, I'm just not interested. <laughs> then I just become uninterested. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, I want to ask your inner voice a question really quick before I share more. I'm going to talk more because since you asked and I like talking, I will totally share my experience. But first, before I do that, I want to get some insight from your inner voice. So inner voice, is Danielle supposed to be on the dating apps? Do you want her on the dating apps, inner voice? No. No. Why not inner voice? Time in the process. Yeah. Time. And what does that mean, inner voice? Or if you know what it meant, what does time mean? (laughs) I'm I'm hearing flowing. So my interpretation is that it right now is not the right time that I yeah yeah does your mind hate that because you're like no I've got the stuff now it's time for the partner to show up (laughs) does the mind hate that it's not the Um, right time yeah I think it it definitely really wants that it's like it's ready for that version (laughs) of my chapters yeah um but Yeah. yeah I Okay, so inner voice, is it not time to be on the dating apps or is it not time for her to be with a partner? Which not time flowing is it? Both. Both, okay. So I just wanted to get those answers from your inner voice before I shared because obviously everyone's inner voice is guiding for you, right? So so many people do meet their partners on dating apps. And in that case, I should not say don't get on dating apps to you because, and for anyone listening, right? There's many people listening to this that did meet their partner on a dating app or may soon meet their partner eventually sooner or later on a dating app. So there's nothing about apps that are wrong or right. It's just whether it's right for you. For example, Jess in Detroit. (laughs) I love you guys know her now in a new way. She always was against the dating apps, you know, before the guy that she met and then I talked her into it. And she was like, I just don't think I'm going to meet my guy in the the dating app. So now I use that constantly to get her off the dating app. Remember, you said you were not going to meet the guy in the dating app. Your intuition was clear. Even my own as I traveled for six years. Dating on the dating apps, because the story my mind said was, how would I ever meet people if I don't know anybody in this country I'm in for a week or a month or six months, whatever? How am I going to meet? And I don't have a job and I don't have that many friends. Like, How am I going to meet humans, Uh, especially traveling? Meeting female friends while I was traveling did happen when I stayed in places usually for longer periods of time, but it was not the easiest when you're out and about to just make a female friend, it happens from time to time, but it was much easier actually when you're traveling to to date than it was to meet female friends. So even the some of the guys that I dated became good male friends, whether we ever dated or whether we only stayed friends instead of dating. They weren't male relationships traveling than overall new females. I kept the females in my life through my phone that mattered to me as I traveled, but I wasn't always, you know, 
meeting loads of females because I was just, uh, females usually want to meet people that are in their area for a longer period of time than just like a week or a month or something. So anyways, I heard my inner voice as I was on the dating apps thinking, how am I going to meet anybody if I don't use them? My inner voice once said, you will not need to lift a finger. And what does a dating app do other than lift your finger? Like that's the only thing you do is you swipe. You use your finger to tap, swipe, text. Like it's all your finger. And when it said that you will not need to lift a finger, it just felt so poetically (laughs) pointed to, I will not be using a dating app to meet my partner. Now that said, I listened and I heard that and I still use dating apps for another at least two years, right? I still heard it. Did I follow and just drop the apps altogether? No, I was way too anxious and nervous and excited and distracted and beanbagged basically to actually trust and let go. So I still dated unsuccessfully for many years. <laughs> and then I eventually got sick of the whole thing. I was like, this is, I met interesting people. I had really beautiful, I was using my intuition when I was swiping. So even though I didn't meet the love of my life on a dating app, I definitely met good people on the dating apps for the most part. And maybe there's maybe one or two dud dates where I was like, really, you know, like, wow, I didn't need to meet this person, but no one was ever mean or, you know, I had really great, I even got one of the guys that met the dating apps on the fourth date invited me to a safari in Kenya. And I went on a nine day safari on date four. On date two, he invited me. It was amazing. I had some amazing adventures and amazing, beautiful experiences with people, but none of them were like a lasting person or some of them became dear, dear friends after dating kind of fizzled quickly. So, Eventually, I just realized none of this was getting me my life partner. My inner voice had said that, you know, swiping thing wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to need to do that. And so eventually, I just, over time, stabilized in myself that neediness and that hole, you know, that my mind was feeling that was there just wasn't as there as present. So the drive to go into the apps to fill this void, this, this lack of partner in my life dropped. And I stopped using the dating apps before COVID. So I can't remember the last time I used one, but it was definitely before COVID and it was a wonderful decision. I never have looked back and ever, ever thought, you know, I wonder, Jess does that sometimes, like, I wonder if it's still, you know, she called it in the episode with her hellscape. (laughs) She's like, I wonder if it's going to be better. And especially where she's at and where she's um, living, it's got pretty slim pickings. It's a pretty small town with this pretty small population. And for who she's attracted to, it's pretty small. So I'm not on them. And I even met Atlas in Portugal uh, and the other guy I dated before him. I'm, I met them naturally and organically. And Atlas was using the apps before we met. And uh, funny enough, he was swiping for vegans only. So he was going not vegan, not vegan, not vegan. If I had met him on the apps, which I could have done. So instead we met in person through friends. But if I saw this guy that was like only dating vegans, I would have thought that's insane. And I would have just been totally turned off. He would have not liked me automatically because I would never define myself or anyone else by what they put in their mouth. So like the idea of even being a vegan as an identity is crazy to me, but the idea that you'd only date people based on what they put in their mouth is also even more crazy to me. So we would have repelled each other immediately in a dating app scenario, even though we had such a beautiful unfolding together. So it just showed me, and also by organically having him met through the friends, we didn't even date right away, we became friends. And then over time of getting to know each other as friends, we slowly got to the point where he actually 
ate an egg in front of me and I thought, okay, he's not super crazy. And like, I'm not gonna have to be vegan in order to <laughs> date him. He actually ate the egg, which he didn't do for me. He did it because he followed his own intuition that day. But that was like an interesting sign for me that some of his like idiosyncrasies around veganism like weren't gonna have to control my life if we were to date. And so I don't know, I, I just feel like what I also want to say on the subject, and we'll get into anything you have as well, but I intervoiced a lot, a lot, a lot after the relationship ended last year about the relationship itself, why other dating scenarios for myself didn't work in the past, and also what I wanted in the future. And it showed me this. So I just want to say this, even Danielle, if it's not as helpful for you at this moment, I hope it might help someone else listening. So I'm going to say this, it may not directly apply to you though. So let me just let this out there in case anyone might be helped by this because I would have loved to have heard this. No one has ever talked about this. This came through a dialogue with my inner voice, but basically what it showed me was there were guys that I dated, whether I met them in real life or online, that were more in a financial and career state of being more settled and established within themselves. And there were also guys that were not there yet, but were building or pivoting or transitioning into something that they wanted to do more than what they were doing before. So for example, a physio that I dated wanted to start his own online physio platform for elderly people and seniors. And so he wanted to start his own online thing like I did, but for physio for elderly, instead of working in an elder care facility as a physio, he wanted to do his own thing and stop being on the job stuff and he wanted to pivot into his own career. And there's another guy I dated was like the head and the opposite side was the president of his own design firm. And he had like 40 people staff. He had a big office in Detroit. He's the one I went on the safari with. So I met like, for example, both of those two people are great examples of what I'm going to say. <laughs> the safari guy thought I was crazy because I was at, to be fair, I was at the time of my phase where I was like not wearing glasses because I wanted to see if I could see clearly with just spontaneously having my sight restored. And for somebody that's <laughs> not on that place in the spectrum of consciousness scale, that's a bit kooky. And so he found me a little bit, you know, my experimentation with consciousness stuff was, he was at, if you guys go back to Spiral Dynamics, which I speak about sometimes because you guys are pretty familiar for the most part now, he was at that green level of consciousness. So he was all about recycling and being good to the earth and like all people are equal, which is great. It's a great point of consciousness, but I was in hardcore yellow mode. So I already knew that stuff and I understood it, but I was in yellow <laughs> living my crystal life and can I see spontaneously and can I visualize and create with my Abraham Hicks way of life, you know? So he thought I was a bit kooky because he had not got to that stage of consciousness yet. And I understood where he he was at, but he thought I was weird because he hadn't got to that part of consciousness in his own journey yet. And he may not be in that part of his journey in this whole lifetime. It's totally fine. But I understood him and like got where he was at, but he could not understand me. So he was in a career stage of his life, like I was, successful, established, abundant, but he was not even in the consciousness transformation kind of journey yet in the stage that I was at at least. And so it didn't work out. He thought I was just too weird, I think. And even later when I came back to Detroit and I said, oh, by the way, I don't know, I mentioned something about the site. And he goes, oh, if you're not still doing that eye thing or something, if you're not that still weird, <laughs> maybe we have a chance. And I thought that was so inappropriate and insecure and weird that I was like totally turned off by it. But 
it kind of showed me that he just couldn't understand me. And honestly, I was probably a bit bored around Tim too, because like, I don't want to sit around talking about stuff that I've already kind of moved past myself. And so we just weren't a fit. He had not done, as my inner voice showed me later, he was established in his career, but he hadn't done any transformation within himself yet. He hadn't gone inward yet. And so he could not understand me. He financially and career-wise matched me, but he hadn't done the inner work to transform his consciousness to be in a more aligned place as me. He didn't have to exactly, but I was just too far out of his bandwidth. He just couldn't get me. And so he rejected me, you could say, because he just couldn't understand or relate, which is fine. I was heartbroken because I was so desperate for a partner, but really I would have been bored out of my mind if I'd had a longer period of time with that. I was just so excited and in love with love that I was putting, I was probably settling, honestly, looking back on it. But, you know, at the time, it didn't feel like that. So then let's say another guy, the guy, the physio with the elderly people, <laughs> YouTube. So that guy was totally loved the Abraham Hicks stuff, totally loved that I was wearing no glasses, totally understood and was inspired by how I was creating my abundance in my career and wanted to do the same. So he was very inspired by it, but his career was in a complete kind of chaos as he was transitioning at that point, pretty still unsuccessfully into doing what I was doing. And so I had all this time, freedom, money, and abundance, and he had none of that. He had no time, no money, no abundance, no freedom to like spend time with me the way I wanted. So again, it was a misfit. He understood and respected my transformation. And honestly, I was still in, my inner voice showed me, I was still transforming myself. I was just further in the transformation than he was in the consciousness sense of things. Now, everyone's obviously always changing and transforming, but this like rapid succession of inner shifts was happening within himself, but just he was at earlier stages and they were still happening rapid fire in me, but at further stages than where he, where he was at. The other guy, meanwhile, was not really moving much at all in the inner transformation. He was just happy like focusing on recycling and stuff, which is great. It's just not where you, know, you kind of get to eventually. So um, my inner voice said basically, the guys that I met in general that had more of a career established place where they were ready to invest in a house, a family, a partner, a life together, didn't understand me because they hadn't done the transformation on the inside yet to get where I was coming from or even relate to it or even like the other guy, be at least inspired by it. And then I met other guys that were in that inspiration. They were inspired by me because they were starting to transform themselves. But my inner voice said basically, during all of that, it's so much change, or the other guys haven't even changed yet at all, or even started to change, and I was still transforming, that I was going so quickly and so much that it wasn't the time for me to have anything, anyone long-term. There was 0% wrong with me. I was not in the wrong place. I was not, even though I was anxious and I had beanbags and all this stuff, I wasn't actually in the season to meet a partner. That wasn't the time for that for me at that point, according to my inner voice. And so now coming out all of this, my, and my inner voice showed me that Atlas and I was more like, oh, this is interesting too. It showed me pennies, diamonds, and machines. So a penny is uh, a lot of the dating scenarios were shiny in the beginning, like even Safari Guy, shining in the beginning, or the physio, shiny in the beginning, great sparks, whether it's fun for Safari or it's fun because we get to, I get to share my love of alignment and 
manifesting with the physio guy. Um, either way, I was having fun and it was shiny, but over time, the penny ends up becoming dull and is ends up with inflation worth less. Does that make sense? So there's certain dating scenarios where they're really fun, bright, and, and wonderful, and shiny, and great in the beginning. But over time with that relationship, it actually loses its value and gets duller over time. So the physio got duller over time because he got more frustrated that I wanted to go do things, travel places, or have more time to spend with him. And he had none of the money to do that or the time to even get his business going so that it could do that. Like he had a lot of years ahead of him to get to where I was, but the miss match of that was hard on both of us to be in a relationship because uh, I just wanted to go have fun and he couldn't even do that yet because he didn't have the time money or abundance to share in that without me totally supporting him at that point and so that wasn't fun and the other guy was kind of boring so and he thought I was weird so the pennies are I had tons of penny relationships and they all serve their purpose and they all have beautiful experiences and I did get to go on a safari in Kenya that's amazing. I'm so happy I did that. That wasn't a bad thing because it was a penny relationship. It just wasn't a diamond. Now, a diamond is a shiny, but the value over time increases. So it amortizes and it appreciates versus depreciates. So a more sustainable relationship that would last a longer period of time is a diamond. It's shiny in the beginning, but as it, it's very tough, it's very durable, it doesn't, you can obviously polish it, it can get dirty over time, but unlike a penny where it's very hard to get back its original luster, the diamond you can repolish it and shine. So even though stuff still happens in a long-term relationship that's like a diamond, there's a value of the relationship that it keeps increasing over time. Like the diamonds we have now are worth more than the same diamond was 100 years ago. So the value of the relationship to the people in it gets better over time. Now, this is trippy and my mind hated this, but there's nothing better or worse about pennies compared to diamonds. They both have their place. What is worse is ultimately staying in a penny relationship once it's lost the value for what it was supposed to be. So if Safari Guy and I stayed together for much longer after Safari, that would have been worse than a diamond. But the actual first, you know, four dates in the Safari were amazing and just as valuable as a diamond for those three weeks <laughs> that it was, you know? So like there is like the three weeks of a penny relationship that is bright and shiny and right and aligned is just as valuable as three weeks or 30 years in a diamond relationship. So if you go through 20 pennies, then you have a diamond and then one of you dies and then you have three more penny relationships at the end of your life, like that's great. As long as they're all in their journey of like really serving you and the other person and there's an active ongoing commitment connection and a vitality to the relationship and the connection that's great and there's no inherent value of like diamonds over pennies as long as the pennies are enjoyed fully and let go of after their value's been run through does that make yeah. sense so even if you want to have a diamond relationship, going through 10 penny relationships on the way to the diamond can be just as fun as long as you're not staying in a penny relationship past the point of when it loses its value and the shine and it's gone. Because then it's time to let it go. And, that's, and then if you let go in the right times with people, you can have a string of endlessly beautiful experiences. And it becomes 
kind of in a way to a point like kind of irrelevant whether it works out long, long term or not with people. Because if you're fully enjoying the now moment with somebody, whether it's a diamond or a penny, if you're in the now and you're fully enjoying that now moment, it's worth being in that moment. Right. Okay, so my mind hated that, of course, all of it, because it just wanted its diamond and only the diamond and skip all the pennies. But looking back on it, I'm in a wiser place now. I am so much happier have, looking back and going, God, I really collected some beautiful penny experiences, even though my mind was traumatized going, going they, they don't work out. What's wrong with me? You know, I was changing and transforming. And so the machine, though, this was Atlas. I said, what was Atlas for me in her voice? And it said a, a, a polishing machine. It was like a stone polishing, um, like a polishing machine for a stone, like a polished crystal. Um, it's like polishing. So we were helping each other release layers that we both needed for different aspects of our lives to go into the next phase of our journey. And so he was helping me by being super wonderful in certain ways. And I was helping him by being su super wonderful in certain ways. And at the end of that relationship, he still has his own journey to go on. He'll continue transforming. He'll continue establishing himself and doing all the things that he's ready to do. But out of that amazing process that we went through, it was kind of the machine was like this like transformation process that was happening where the pennies didn't really help me change too much. You know, like they were nice to enjoy, but like, and they all kind of had their little gifts to give but there was like an ongoing kind of transformation of of polishing of ourselves that happened in a beautiful beautiful way with atlas but then it was done and now i'm in a different phase completely which I, my mind could never have imagined and would have been terrified of which is i'm established and i have transformed now but when i say i have transformed of course i'm still growing and deepening and all the time and in some ways even faster than i've ever done in the past but there is a place in myself that is so steady and stable which that was previously certainly not there and so now there's no need in me to have a partner. It would be nice, but I now see the insanity of ever chasing pennies or even worrying about finding anyone because if it's meant to be, it will come into my life. And I just get to sit back and live a beautiful life along the way. So my excitement today is having this chat with you, cutting the roses I bought that are downstairs sitting in water in a beautiful way and having the class tonight. There's 0.0, .0 loss in my life or lessness in my life because I don't have a partner. I may never have a partner. I may have 35 more pennies in my future. I may have a diamond next week. I don't know, but I don't care about pennies or diamonds because as I don't care. I'm not looking for pennies or diamonds. The pennies and diamonds will show up at my feet when I'm walking around in my joy on the street. Oh, oh it's a little inner voice. <laughs> poem there for you. Um, but that's all it is. I'm just living my days and trusting without any concern or any sense of lack in me. But that was not how I lived for those six other years. And ultimately, what I look at now is like looking at people I now sense into, are they established and have they transformed their insides so that they don't find me crazy? Because if they're just established, but they haven't done the transforming, 
they're going to think I'm kooky. If they're transforming so they think I'm brilliant, but they can't do it themselves, then they can't keep up with me and live a life that's equal to the life that I'm ready to live now. And I've learned the hard way through dating a ton of guys like that, that I constantly was trying to help them. And, and you know, like I help you guys, I was trying to help the guys just as much as I help you guys. And like, they all loved the, the ones that were wanting to transform, loved the help. But what I realized is, Trying to walk next to an owl when you're a cheetah is a hard thing to do. Or a butterfly trying to walk next to a caterpillar, right? A caterpillar can only go as fast as the caterpillar legs can carry them. A butterfly has six little legs that are meant to perch onto petals and they're meant to use their wings. But a butterfly trying to fly as slowly as a caterpillar walks is painful for the butterfly because it's too hard to go that slow next to someone. And that's literally the feeling I had in a lot of my relationships. It was actually, even though it didn't, I didn't mentally think it was hard, but the actual lived experience of it, it was so hard to to slow myself down for the speed that somebody else that actually was inspired by me but wasn't there yet could go. And so now I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to just find another butterfly because otherwise this is insanity. Now, am I going to find necessarily an enlightened butterfly? Maybe not. But like they've got to be able to understand that I am not crazy. (laughs) I'm not a weirdo. And they have to have within themselves a sense of self, a sense of their own intuition, even if they don't do inner voice or beanbag releasing or something. They need to know within themselves the steadiness and this calmness and this peace that is their inner voice, even if it's an organic and natural thing, like versus some guy that's going to ayahuasca all the time so that he can keep clearing out, he's in the transforming phase. That's not interesting to me. I just want to live a beautiful life with somebody that knows how to clear their stuff when it comes up, but has already kind of gone through a lot of these earlier phases that the other two types of guys I met hadn't yet. And I now see the insanity of settling for anything less for myself. Danielle, if I was to be in 100% honesty, feel into this and tell me if this feels right for you. You're in the transforming phase. And so it would be, I would not be surprised at all if you have a series of pennies and then maybe a machine, a polishing machine or two relationship to help you in the journey. But I just wonder if that's maybe more important to your inner voice than a partner right now. A diamond, yeah. specifically. I don't know. How does that feel for you? Does that feel, even if your ego doesn't like hearing it, does it feel true, or is your inner voice going, "No, no, no"? She's got it wrong. <laughs> um, no, it's really funny because just before I got on this call with you, I have the I Am app, and it sends me so many synchronous, like so many messages that are in sync, and it actually sent me one just before, and it says. I am learning to trust the process, which is really interesting because this is where our conversation has gone about trusting. Well, that's what I took out of it is like trusting the process and like, um, and also like attachment. What I was hearing from myself is like attachment to all of the relationships and looking at them as like chapters and like, I don't obsess well, maybe I might obsess about a chapter book, uh, a chapter, but when it's closed and it's done and I move forward to the next chapter kind of thing, like looking at it, like the penny, like the penny scenario. So like it's, when yes. it's dull. Oh, you just helped yeah. me. 
Danielle, okay, so remember I said the caterpillar and the butterfly? I remember having this analogy to people when I was going through some dating scenarios. I was like, oh my God, being a butterfly next to a caterpillar is painful for the butterfly because the butterfly's legs, even though they used to be a caterpillar, even though I used to have to work hard and I thought I had to work hard, even though I went through the recycling phase, like the safari guy, even though I went through all those phases and was a caterpillar myself, I didn't have that body anymore. You know, my consciousness had really transformed. And so what I looked at, I understood butterflies in a totally new way. I was like, yeah, imagine a butterfly walking on asphalt. Like that's not what their little delicate little toe tips are supposed to, whatever they have, you know, are supposed to be walking. They're designed to be flying and it's way more efficient, but they had to go through the cocoon, okay? So the guys that I met that I said were penny relationships, in my case, were those guys that were going through that transformation. Now, by the way, penny relationships could be just like, I think you're sexy and I want to have fun with you. Like it doesn't have to be a inward journey type person to have a penny relationship. It doesn't have to be that. But for me, the guys that were the pennies actually, because I was always excited by the inner journey of transformation I was on, I attracted people that were attracted to that journey themselves. But I was more like halfway through the cocoon or three quarters of the way through the cocoon or coming out of the cocoon, right? Because I was going so fast. They were just caterpillars that were excited about having a cocoon. And so they were like kind of starting to go into their cocoon. But as in, in the middle years, in those six years, I was in a further phase of the cocoon transformation. And then after leaving the cocoon, I certainly wasn't even in it. And that understanding, and this is why the caterpillar thinks a butterfly is pretty crazy. Until they get ready to go into a cocoon, a caterpillar thinks a butterfly is a foreign object and super weirdo. Like, who are they flying? They're not related to me. They, they're, they're not even my species. But then eventually they go, ooh, you mean I can go through this journey and I might be a butterfly? That sounds amazing. I want to do that too. And that's what the the guys that I would attract would come in. And so now I recognize, no, I need to go. It would be much more a real and true. I would like to have a real and true partner, which has some those elements of stability in their career and their life. So they're ready to live a beautiful, established, calmer, clearer lifestyle with me because that's where I'm at. I'm living my flower life and whatever walks and you know all my like beauty of life and the transformation of all that it took me to go from being the Jess that I was when I bought all that furniture or earlier to the Bella I've become that within themselves you know having done that it's a rare person but now I don't even care it's so rare it doesn't it's rare but it could happen or it doesn't and it doesn't bother me either way which I know is a huge sign of growth in myself because it's a preference, it's not an obligation. I'm not attached because I actually really feel good inside. Like I don't have that hole or that feeling like you might be feeling right now, which I get very well from the six years I had it myself, which is like, oh, what's next? When am I gonna get that person? It's oftentimes a compensation for a part of us that's not fully present in ourselves because now that I at least that's the case it was for me 
Um, and I know many of our community don't have the dating thing as their issue and they're super steady and usually in great relationships. That's like a strong thread of our community oftentimes. And I noticed that they're super chill. They, as far as when they, t- they always love to tell me their dating scenarios of how they met their partners when we would have coaching calls. They talked to me about money and career, but they would tell me their stories about how they met their partner to you know encourage me and inspire me. And they're always so nonchalant. They were just so chill about that those stories of those people I'm thinking about would just say how calm and just like unattached they were. Nothing like I was feeling at the time when I was dating because they didn't have that sense of a whole, actually they probably just had it in their mind on the subject of career and money more than they had it on relationship. So they manifested easily in the one area and then harder in the other for that period of their lives at least. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I definitely love that you're getting out of all of this trusting the process. And I have complete compassion that it may feel potentially to the mind, depending on the story and beanbags, almost impossible to actually just say, enjoy unpacking the stuff and then enjoy selling the stuff that you don't want to keep <laughs> and then enjoy, you know, making new friends and then enjoy talking to the cute guy at the cafe and then enjoy going on the date with the guy and then enjoy watching TV on your new frame Samsung TV <laughs> and then enjoy reading a book and then enjoy getting a dog and then going on another date like and just enjoy every day for what it is without making the partner lack of lack thereof a right. problem right. in your life. Yeah. Stop creating problems that don't have to be there. Yeah. Aren't there. And I did that for six years. So I have complete compassion that if that feels hard, I understand. And then at the same time, I say on the other side of it, I'm the same person. Can you believe it? The caterpillar from, from the cocoon to the butterfly speaking, I can't believe that it just doesn't feel relevant anymore in the sense that 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 sense of lackness doesn't feel relevant. But that was because I had to, by the sheer failure of finding a diamond earlier, I had to just keep going into the cocoon and then just keep being the butterfly. Like your inner voice said, I just had to keep being in the process. Right. Yeah, so beautiful. I know. I hope this is helping anybody else that is out there listening, because I don't think I've ever shared all of that, what I just shared from my inner voice on this subject before on the show. So I really do hope, not just for you, Danielle, but of course, I hope it did help you too. But I do hope for anybody else out there that is especially on this inner journey, if their inner voice and intuition is kind of guiding them into themselves and emotionally releasing their beanbags and kind of going, okay, but how does dating fit into all of this stuff too? And also there's like often a lot less support for men or interest in general, generalization there, but uh, you know, in the men to it at this point, I think it's changing and it's increasing and growing. But I do think there is the potential for that to become more common, that inner transformation and cocoon phase to happen for men. And I actually wonder if it might go faster for men once they get into it, because so many women for so long, generally speaking, women have for a longer period of time, not every woman, but generally women, even Eckhart says this in The Power of Now, which is a super old book, like he's like, there's more women in the spiritual space overall than men in our current times, because there's more of a the feminine energy, and it could still be in a male as well, but it often shows up feminine energy stronger, oftentimes not only 
um, in the female form is more connected to these intuitions and the consciousness. It's the female as the representation of consciousness and awareness and and non-physical in this form. It's what creates life, right? The female form creates from the non-physical into the physical. The male is one of the byproducts of the form of the male as a byproduct of what comes through the female that translates the energy of non-physical into the physical or the soul comes through female. So that connection that we have almost just by the almost you could say like by the default of giving birth and or having that capacity of the body to do so and the energies often that align to that 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 connection being stronger come to this sooner but that said women cleaning up their their own stuff right it's been a messy world for a long time and on both sides of of male and female form in in human forms but there's been a lot of of awareness growing in healing and transforming that's been happening in females as a generalization in the recent decades and last, let's say like 80 years or so. And as they do, that makes it easier, smoother and faster, theoretically, for men when they're ready to go through it easier, smoother and faster because the women have in a way lightened their own load so they're less likely to weigh on the men themselves and keep them fighting in the chaos of, of dynamics and also just help and welcome them. I think that's one thing that I often find is that's so beautiful is how much, and this is a generalization of how much women love men and how much women love their children, whether they're male or female children or non-binary kids, like they just love loving people and supporting people. That's oftentimes not a complete, you know, everybody thing, but I just think it's going to be, it's really welcoming. So I think women are going to be very excited and supportive of men as they're going through that journey in themselves. And it could go faster. So even if you're looking up, where are all the men that are doing this work? Like, look at our community. I'm not trying to only work with women. By the way, we probably have five straight men listening to this that aren't married or related to somebody in the community that identifies as female. We have more LGBTQ people in our community than than straight single males, which is so funny. It's not like we're not including them, it's that they aren't seeking it or coming to it yet. But it doesn't mean we won't say, hi, so happy to have you and give them a huge hug when they come, if they decide to. For any of this, it's, this is not just our community, but it's like general of spiritual, and also, I think there's going to be more and more male leadership stepping up into that space and being that first person that go into that and then start sharing and helping creating a male perspective for men to follow too. Um, not just Michael Singers or Eckhart Tolle's and that kind of thing, but um, more, you know, Bella Lively's, but in a male form. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's exciting. Let's see what happens when it comes to dating in the future. But I think... Danielle, we can pick this up next time and, and go deeper into your own scenario. But I really hope by spending the time talking about the penny diamonds and polishing machines and the processing ones that um, this helps you, but also anybody else listening that might be going through a lot of personal growth and going, why is the dating thing yeah, not that was working super yet? helpful. Thank you. Thank you. May something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs> <laughs> 